0: Good morning, Rethink Life. You guys doing good today? In the house of God, it's amazing to be on a warm place in this harsh winter cold season of Orlando, Florida. But we're so thrilled you here. Just honest, how many of you wanted to sleep in a little bit this morning? Come on, stay under those covers a little longer. Well, I'm so glad you woke up and came to church today. Hey, do me a favor. Give those that are watching us right now a warm round of applause. And I mean a warm round of applause wherever they might be. We're so thankful that you're part of what God's doing here. And uh, it's been an amazing month uh, as we just came off of four uh, consecutive weeks of something we called At The Movies. And um, I tell you what, it was truly amazing. exceeded all of our expectations. Just during our At The Movies series, we had... Uh, 65 people that raised their hand indicating that they prayed the prayer of salvation, giving their lives to Jesus Christ. So, glory to God, it was amazing success. And so, we're looking forward to maybe doing that again in the near future, and we're excited about the opportunity that we have there. I just want to really dive into the message that God's put on my heart, and uh, obviously for many of us in this room, uh, we are all ready for Christmas and we're all kind of in that mindset and maybe kind of all in right now with all the different things going on in this time of year and the season of our lives. But I do want to talk to you about the subject of giving and specifically the mindset of giving. Uh, as many of you probably know by now, uh, our oldest daughter uh, just got married. As a matter of fact, a week ago yesterday, uh, I had the privilege of um, giving my daughter away in marriage. Michelle and I, we have three kids, and, uh, and Rebecca is our oldest. There's a picture there. Uh, but I want to share with you a little bit about what I was struggling, struggling with, uh, as you can only imagine, the emotions that were racing through my mind and my heart. And so there was a, a definite mindset of some tension there, because uh, being the fact she's the first one, she's our first child, and, and, so, uh, and she's the first one to get married, uh, there were just a lot of emotions racing because there's that side of me that you know wanted to hang on and wasn't quite ready to let her go. And I'll never forget, um, we had rehearsed everything, and so uh, how it was all supposed to go down, uh, as you can see there from the picture, I think we'll put the picture back up for a second, but as you can see there on the picture, um, my father-in-law was the one who initially um, welcomed and greeted everybody as I escorted my daughter, Rebecca, uh, down the aisle. We did something a little different because normally and traditionally, you know, the bride will come in from behind the audience where the audience stands and they turn around and they, you know, they, 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 they welcome the bride as she comes down the aisle. Well, we did it in the opposite because of the venue. So we, we actually came down from a house and down some steps. So we actually walked in front of the audience just like I'm standing in front of you right now. And so we had rehearsed it to where I was going to escort my daughter down the aisle, and then we would make a turn where I would face my father-in-law. And so he was going to welcome everybody. He was going to say a brief word, and then he was going to pray. And then after he prayed, then he was going to ask the question, who gives this bride to be married? And of course, traditionally, I was going to say, you know, her, her mother and I. Well, unfortunately, in that moment after he prayed, he left. He just walked off. And so I'm standing there in this moment. I'm standing there holding my daughter. and Of course, her, her fiancé, you know, who the husband-to-be standing on the other side of me. And so we're all kind of just standing there a little awkward like, okay, what's getting ready to happen now? And so I just spontaneously, and my father's name is Rod, so I said, Rod, I think you forgot something. And of course, it hit him, so he ran back over there real quick. And, uh, and I said, but however, I'm willing to hang on to her for the rest of my life. And, of course, everybody chuckled just like you did because you could sense the tension there. But, of course, he asked the question, who gives this bride to be married? And, okay, of course, I said, you know, her mother and I. And so I released her. I gave her away in marriage. But as I stated, I had mixed emotions. And the reason why, because there was that side of me that wanted to hang on to her. But at the same time, there was that side of me that knew that it was time to release her. It was time to let her go. It was time to release her into her purpose, into her destiny, because I knew that was God's plan, that was God's purpose, that was His will for her life. And it wasn't so much of what we were losing, because obviously we weren't giving her away. In reality, we were gaining so much more. We have an amazing new son-in-law. And we know that in the future, what we are going to receive in return will far outweigh, will be far greater than anything had we chosen to try to keep her for ourselves. And I think what happens when it comes to the subject of giving, there is a mindset that many people have of, no, I need and I want to keep what I believe is mine whereas there are others who say, you know what, it's not mine, it's ultimately God's, and ultimately it's my role to help give it away. Because I know that in return, God is going to bless me with so much more than I had I tried to keep it for myself. And what's interesting is that you know, many of us in this room are are, are blessed and and probably blessed in ways uh, far beyond, you know, we deserve, but uh, in fact, just, just curious, how many of you would be willing to say, I'm blessed? Let me see your hands. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm blessed. Okay, now turn to the other neighbor, look at them and say, would you like to be blessed more? Curious, how many of you really would like to be Blessed even more. Come on, let me me get a witness in here. I'll, I'll raise my hand on that. We all want to be blessed even more. And so here's the key. The key is this. If we really want to be blessed even more, then we've got to understand the concept and the mindset and the understanding of the principle that Jesus emphasized in the book of Acts, in fact, it's the only record of the words of Jesus recorded in the book of Acts. And in Acts twenty, verse thirty-five, it says it like this: "You should remember the words of the Lord Jesus. It is more blessed to what? Say that loud. To give than to what? To receive. It is more blessed to give than it is to receive. And so we have to understand that if we want to be blessed even more." then we've got to embrace the principle and the understanding that the key to being blessed even more is to understand that it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. So if you're you're jotting down some notes today, if you have our app and you want to follow along with me on our app, then I encourage you to jot this down there in your notes. And here's the key thought, and that is the key to a blessed life is a heart of generosity. The key to a blessed life is a heart of generosity. If you want to be more blessed, you will be more blessed when you come to that place of being a generous person. I love what Winston Churchill once said. He said, you you can make a living by what you get, but you make a life by what you give. And I think that's true. To live for something bigger and greater than ourselves to live for something that's going to outlast us, to make a life, to make a difference, and specifically an eternal difference in the lives of people. I love what Proverbs 11, verse 24 and 25 says, One man gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly and comes to poverty. A generous man will prosper, and he who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. So it's interesting to me how one who gives receives even more, and yet the one who tries to hang on for himself ultimately experiences poverty, experiences less. He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. In other words, there is a principle that basically says you just cannot give God. The more we, the more we are motivated to bless other people, the more we are going to be blessed in return, 2 Corinthians 9 through 11 says it like this Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each man sh- should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. It's interesting that the word cheerf- cheerf- cheerful giver in Greek is actually translated with the word hilarious. In other words, there's laughter there 's fun there 's enthusiasm there 's excitement in the Old Testament during offerings when they would when they would have uh, certain uh, seasons where they would bring offerings unto the Lord, they would of, often accompany that whole entire experience with a feast and a festival it was It was a jubilation, it was a celebration, there was excitement there was laughter, and the reason why is because they understand. They didn't have a mindset of something they had to do. No, they looked to it as something they got to do. And that's the way we should live our lives. Giving is not something we have to do. No, giving should be something we get to do because we understand that, you know what, it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. And I, I love that when we're generous, we have a heart of generosity. Notice what verses 9 and 11 actually says. And God is able to make how much? All grace abound to you, so that in how many things? All things. Come on, help me out. At what times? All times. Having what? All that you need. You will abound in every good work. I don't know about you, but, man, I learned a long time ago in elementary school that all means all. God in all things, listen, because he's the God of abundance. He is He's a supernatural God. He's the one who's in, who's in control of all things. So in all things, God can take care of those things that we can never take care of on our own. And verse 11 says it this way, And you will be made rich in every way. Not just in some ways, no, in every way. Let me tell you something. If you, listen, if you have a mindset that the riches of this world is always equated to the material things of this world, then you are limiting God. Because the riches of God far, far outweighs just the material things of life. Yes, God chooses to bless us in material ways. But let me tell you something. God's richness and His riches go far beyond just the material possessions of this world. I don't know about you, but I want to be rich towards the things of God. I want to be rich in my joy, rich in my relationships, man, rich in the peace that I have in my heart. I want to be rich towards all of those things, and that's what God says. And you will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion, and through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Isn't it cool to know that when we give, God can take what we give and he can use it to touch people's lives so that those people in return are giving thanksgiving to God because of what we gave. That's why I love to say when it comes to our church, you don't give to a church, you give through a church. And so it's, it's awesome to know that you and, you and I, we, we may not be able to physically go to Africa or go to the Middle East or or maybe or go, you know, to, to certain areas of the world physically and be the hands and the feet as a missionary. But at the same time, we can go there every week through our tithe, through our offerings, through our generosity, because we can give through a church that is mobilizing what we give to be able to invest and partner with organizations and mission mission um, groups and organizations that are in those places so that through us Other people's lives and places that we'll never physically go are being reached, and they are giving thanksgiving to God because of what we gave. Let me give you an example. Do you know this year alone, we have over 500 people that have already given their lives to Jesus Christ just in our weekend services alone, to the glory of God. Can I get an amen to that? Over 500 people. As I stated a few moments ago, 65 of those... Came as a result of our at the movie series that we just came off of. It's amazing, and when you think about that, we've had already had 88 individuals that have um, demonstrated their faith through, the, through through the waters of baptism. And next weekend, we're going to do something kind of different. Um, we're just inviting families uh, and children who are ready to be baptized. Uh, and moms and dads that want to come and support them or maybe be baptized with their children. We're going we're to have a special family baptism through our family experience next week. It's going to be an amazing time. But it's awesome to know that 88 people have already taken that next step in their spiritual journey of faith. We're on pace to give over $106,000 this year to help support our strategy to impact our city through our local outreaches and through the partnerships that we have in our city and our nation as well is through international missions, through the agencies and the, and the organizations that we help fund and support in addition to the relief efforts that we've been able to give towards. And so that's all because of your generosity. So needs have been met, lives have been changed through what you have given to the glory of God. And so let me tell you something. Through that, you can't outgive God. That's the reason why we're doing our Christmas offering. That's the reason why we've encouraged folks today to bring that offering unto the Lord. Why? Because this is above and beyond. Because I believe we can do more. I believe we can make an even greater impact. And I believe there are certain needs that can be met that, that are right here among us. That's the reason why we're, we, we've already taken a step of faith to, to purchase 150 bicycles to give away to under-resourced children You know, not far from where we're we're seated today. Why? Because there are children, there are families who just can't afford to do those kind of things. We, as a church, we want to give hope and we want to give light to people who desperately need it. And so we want to help provide because we know that as we refresh others, we in return can be refreshed. We know that if we will be obedient in the little things that God has entrusted to us, we can make an even greater impact in so many other ways. To help advance the purposes of God. So with all that said, there are three mindsets. And I just want to quickly tap on these for a few moments to help you better understand, I believe, where, where some of you might be and ultimately maybe where God is positioning you to be. And the first mindset is what I call the bag mindset. Now you say a bag mindset, what do you mean by that? Well, the bag mindset is somebody who sees what they have and they they, they, they kind of see what they have limited to what's in their bag, and when they look at what's in their bag, they say, well, that's not enough. And the reason why is because at the bottom of their bag, it has holes. So unfortunately, everything that's being put into the bag comes right out of the bag. And so it's never enough. How many of you can identify with that? We, we, we can all relate to the fact that, you know what, there's more month than there is money. There's we, what goes in and goes right back out, and it's hard sometimes because what, what you begin to realize is that, you know what, well, well if this is all I have is what's in, in the bag, then we have a mindset of saying, well, if that's all that's in the bag, then I've got to hang on to what's in the bag. And the false sense of security is is that my security and my dependency is what's in the bag. So therefore, I even got to hold tighter to the bag because that's all I have there's not enough. And I'm convinced that's the reason why most people don't embrace the principle of the tithe is because they think they think themselves well, well I don't have enough in the bag to give. When you have it just the opposite, you can't afford not to give. It's a principle that God has laid out all throughout his word. And so here's the key, the key is is that for many who have a mindset of a bag where they're putting their trust and their dependency on what's in the bag for the fear of what's of maybe losing what's in the bag they want to hang on to it because their motivation is is well, I don't have enough and just about the time they may get ahead they take two steps forward and then what one step back why because as they get a little financial momentum and all of a sudden there's an unexpected thing that pops up you know, something goes wrong. There's this unexpected expense, and all of a sudden, now they're right back where they started from. Why? Because there are holes in their bags. Haggai chapter 1 verse 6 says it like this. You have sown much and bring in little. You eat but do not have enough. You drink but you are not filled with drink. You, you clothe yourselves but no one is warm. And he who earns wages earns wages to put into a bag with what? With holes. It's interesting. You know, <laughs> sometimes I think people think, you know, the pastor never has problems. And so, Michelle and I, we are in the same place and that we've been encouraging everybody here at our church to be in, and that is to pray and think about, you know, what can we do? How can we give above and beyond? We honor the Lord with our tithe. We're faithful through that. We we have that set up here at the church through, through the recurring opportunity that we provide through our website. So that's what we've chosen. That's how we do it. So we, we're faithful with our tithe. We give God the full 10% of the tithe that belongs to him. But there are occasions throughout the year where we want to give above and beyond, and this is one of those. As I just stated a few moments ago, we just had a daughter that got married. Now, I don't know if any of you have ever gone through this before. I'm sure there's a few out there, but weddings are not cheap. They're expensive and so we have a daughter who just got married all the expenses go with that we have another daughter that's in college she's hitting us up <laughs> dad there's more months than there is money than y'all are sending you know what and so it's like okay well got to figure that out so as i stated we had a wedding last week so we got people flying in from everywhere and we had folks staying at our house and as you can imagine, you know, we're excited. Everything's going great. We're excited about having all these people in our home. And, you know, of course, it's, it's a harsh winter season here in Orlando, Florida. Last week it was a hunk in 90 degrees. And so, you know, it was, it, was, it was a great week. But, you know, all these people are now, they're in our house. And guess what happens? Air conditioner goes out. Got the AC people out. How much is that going to cost? You don't want to know how much that costs. So we get the AC fix. And then all of a sudden we got you know people coming in and out of the house and cars and driveway and guess what our garage door stops working. We're like, what in the world? Couldn't get the thing to go down, so I had to get the garage people out fix that. 145 bucks later. And then on top of that, my son Luke, his car breaks down. I'm like, you gotta be kidding me! What in the world? Takes his car to the shop. How much is that gonna cost? 1,100 bucks. I'm like, we well, you can buy a car for that. <laughs> so all that's happening in my world. And then we go to the rehearsal the night before the wedding to kind of walk through the, you know, the whole routine of walking my daughter down the aisle. And all of a sudden, I'm like reaching for my, my cell phone. I'm like, where is my cell phone? I lost my cell phone. And not only did I lose my cell still haven't got it back. Not only did I lose my cell phone, but I had our little... Pocket Our little cell phone wallet on the back that had my driver's license, all my credit cards in it. They're all gone. So I'm having to cancel credit cards, having to go get a new driver's license, get a new phone. I mean, that's my week. That's my world. And then I'm talking to Michelle. Hey, we got to give towards this Christmas offering. So if, I can, hey, if anybody can relate to it, there's not enough. Listen to me. I'm preaching to the choir today. Let me tell you something. You know what we've learned? We've learned this. Our trust and our dependency, our security is not what's in the bag. Our trust and dependence and security is in the abundant God that we serve. And we just know that he is the God who is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we could think or even imagine. We just know we've been through this drill before. God is going to provide. He just does. He always does, always has, always will. You cannot outgive God. So there's a mindset that many have, and it's the bag mindset, and the mindset is, or the justification is, there's just not enough. But there's a second mindset, and the mindset goes like this, and it's the basket mindset of, no, there's more than enough. There's more than enough. And that's the person who now has kind of crossed over to the other side of saying, you know what, it may not be what I'd like for it to be, but I also know I'm blessed. And because I'm blessed, I have more than enough. And because I have more than enough, now my dependency, my trust, my my, my security is not what's in the bag. No, my trust is in the God who is who is rich and and who's resourceful and the one who takes care of me and provides for me. No, my dependency is on him, and because my dependency is on him, and I know God's going to provide, that frees me up to be able to freely give, knowing that as I give, it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. God is going to take care of me. He's going to bless me in return. That is a basket mindset. It's the mindset of, no, there is more than enough. Deuteronomy says that like this in Deuteronomy 28, verses 2 through 6. You will receive, excuse me, I'm sorry. You will experience all these blessings. Notice carefully, this is a key word to the whole scripture. You will experience all these things, say it out loud with me, if you obey the Lord your God. Your towns and your fields will be blessed. Your children and your crops will be blessed. The offspring of your herds and flocks will be blessed. Your fruit baskets and breadboards will be blessed wherever you go. And whatever you do, you will be blessed. I want that for my life. And I pray that for your life. I pray that every morning when we wake up, we wake up having to cut through the fog. You say, cut through the fog? What in the world are you talking about? I pray that every when we wake up, we have to cut through the fog, meaning the favor of God on our lives. We're just the hand of God. Where God's super is placed on our natural. Where the favor and the blessings and the provision of God is on our lives. Our marriages, our children, our homes, our work, everything where we are blessed. Luke six thirty eight says, "I like this: Give and you shall receive. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together, to make room for more, running over, and poured into your lap. The amount that you give will determine the amount you get back." What's interesting? Back in biblical times, uh, farmers, those who harvested crops, when it was time to harvest crops, and those who harvested grain. You know, you had the landowners who owned the crops, and they, of course, had paid workers, and so they were given certain wages, and a part of the way that they, they earned a living was also um, was through, the, you know, through the grain itself that, 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 that they got to be able to take home to their families to provide for their families. But after the workers got what they received, then the landowner, he would bring in the poor. He would bring in the needy. He would, he would gather them together, and he would allow them to take what was left over. And so you can imagine these people who basically took the, the supply that was left over and they would get their, their little baskets and they would fill it up and man, they'd fill it up and then they would shake it and kind of press it down so get all the air out and they would want to get more and get more to it, it filled up to the point of it was full to the very brim. Why? Because that's all they had but they were able to receive out of the abundance. That was more than enough. It's like the little boy who had, you know, the little scooby snack lunch and you know, the, the disciples were concerned about all these people, and they needed to be fed. It was getting late, and Jesus was asking, you know, hey, does anybody have any food? And they scrounged up this little boy's lunch. What did it have? Two fish, five loaves of bread. They brought it to Jesus. You remember the story? Jesus took what that little boy had. And many people, including the disciples, said, well, that's not enough. <laughs> Look at all the thousands of people here. And Jesus said, no, no, that, that's more. That's, he, he brought out of a heart of generosity and of obedience, he gave what he had. Because he gave what he had, God took it and blessed it, multiplied it, and there was what? There was room left over. Everybody got to go home with fish and chips that day. Everybody was blessed. Why? Because of the God who is more than enough. You see, he had a basket mindset. He says, no. This is not just what I have. God can take it and use it and make it more than enough. But there's a third mindset, and that is this, and it's the barn mindset. And the barn mindset is somebody who is at a place in their life who says, you know what? Not only am I blessed, but I am infinitely more than blessed, far beyond what I potentially even deserve. And as a result, they have a barn full of blessings. In fact, the scripture says it this way in Luke chapter 6, verses 10-11. through 11, Whoever can be trusted with very little, what's in the bag, can be trusted with much, what's in the barn. And whoever is dishonest with very little, the bag, will also be dishonest with much, what's in the barn. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? In other words, who and how... Can God trust us with what he has provided? And so the question is, can God trust us? And he trusts us by being faithful with a little, and as long as we're faithful with a little, God will take what we give and he'll use it and multiply it so that he increases it to become even more because we have been faithful with a little. And so for many who have been hard at work and they've, They've been strategic in what they've done and how they've done it to to, to be successful in the world's standards of success. There are some who have a barn full of blessings, but yet they still have a bag mentality. In other words, they have a lot of resources to be given, but often what they do is they hang on to what they have and they say, you know what, I've accumulated a lot stuff in the barn, but I think I'm going to go just go build bigger barns. (laughs) I'm going to go do bigger things. And I know that many of us in this room may not be at a place such as that, but there are many people who unfortunately have a bad mentality because they see what they have is theirs, and they think, well, but I'm just going to build even more. And here's what the scripture says in Luke 12. Jesus told this parable. The ground of a certain rich man produced a good crop. He thought of it to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store all my grain and all my goods. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, notice what he called him, said, you fool. This very night, your life will be demanded from you. Then, who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself, but is not rich toward God. My prayer is that every one of us in this room will be rich toward God. And How do you get there? You get there by sending it ahead. You get to the riches of God towards investing in the things that will outlast ourselves. Nothing wrong with material things. Nothing wrong with material possessions. Nothing wrong with with success. But if all of those things are just for ourselves, if it's just for the temporary, the here and now, then how tragic. You know what, I want to be a person who lives a legacy. Something that's going to be here when I'm dead and gone. Something that's going to outlast me, outlast my life. And that's what we're all about here at Rethink Life. That's the reason why we give, the reason why we do what we do. Because our goal is to help people know God. We want to help people find freedom. Freedom. We want to help people discover their purpose, just like we're getting ready to do at our growth track. Step two is all about helping people discover their purpose so that we can position people in such a way to make a difference with their lives, an eternal difference, something that's going to outlast ourselves. I don't know about you, but I've come to the place where I've begun to realize there's more to this life than this life. And my question to you specifically is this. What is your why? What is your why? What are you living for? I read an article the other day that broke my heart. In fact, I sent it to our staff. And I said, now's the time we could not be in a greater place than Orlando, Florida. But The article is not a positive article. In fact, it was a heartbreaking article. It was in the Orlando Weekly, and I don't, you know, read the Orlando Weekly for my morning devotions. It happened to be an electronic thing that I saw that captured my attention, and the headline is what captured my attention, and it was the study that was revealed that Orlando is now rated number two of the most sinful city in America, behind Las Vegas. And I thought to myself. I thought we were the happiest place on earth. But now number two, the second most sinful city in America. It was interesting as you kind of dug a little deeper as to how they came up with that. The Bible lists the the seven deadly sins. The Bible talks about, you know, the, the seven kinds of sins. The ones that just break the heart of God. Even makes God angry. And so they associated those seven deadly sins with the emotional state and lifestyle that the people are living and they're right here in our city and my heart broke, it just sank and the reason why is because we're living in a city of darkness but God has put us here for such a time as this to be a light in the midst of the darkness and there's urgency because we don't know what tomorrow holds you know We're here at the season of Christmas, and, you know, in Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah, you know, it talked about the forecoming of Jesus, and what did it say? It said, unto us a child is born. But then it says, unto us a Savior was given. Did you get that? You see, often we see it as a child was born. But from God's point of view, from heaven's point of view, no, a Savior was given. God so loved, He gave. And He gave His one and only Son to do what? To come into this world to rescue from our sin, our darkness, our spiritual and moral confusion. And so the reason why we're receiving a Christmas offering is so that we can give light to those living in darkness, so that we can... Show God's love better so that we can do the very things that God has called us to do as a church, to be His hands and His feet, to be His voice. That's the reason why we're doing six Christmas services. That's the reason why today there in your seats you have those little Christmas invite cards. Listen, those are to be given out to your friends. And the reason why because there are people who are spiritually lost. And can I just tell you, studies show more people commit suicide between Thanksgiving and Christmas more than the 11 other months of the calendar year combined. Why is that? Let me tell you the reason why. Because I believe during that stretch between Thanksgiving and Christmas, people feel their pain so much greater. They feel their hurts more than ever. And they live with despair and hopelessness. And so whatever you do, don't keep those invite cards to yourself. No, 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 no. You give those to a classmate. Give those to a coworker. Give those to a neighbor. Give them out. Why? Because what you're giving is an opportunity for someone to experience hope and light that only Jesus can give. And so as we give, we're giving towards the eternal purposes of God. We are giving to something that's going to outlast us. We are advancing the purposes of God through a church. That's going to make an even greater impact. Starting here in our city. We're one church, two locations. Through an opportunity to meet needs. And to go to places physically that we may never be able to go. But we can go there through our giving. And through our generosity. And so let's have a mindset of this is not something I have to do. No, it's something I get to do. Because I understand that it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. Y'all received that this morning? Let's bow our heads together in prayer.